Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us on Tragedy Plus Time. Everything's fine. I am your host, Summershine. This is a Rogue Media Network production. On this podcast, we're going to explore the deep wounds of tragedy, the way folks just like you survived said tragedy, and the nuances that we reflect on that now make us laugh. We're going to laugh, we're going to cry, and we're going to hear stories of profound survival, even when it didn't seem like it was possible. Sit back, buckle up, and get ready for the ride. This is Summer Shine, and you are listening to every Tragedy Plus Time, Everything's Fine, and I am here with my co-host, Chrissy Rivers. What's up, guys? What's up, Chrissy? What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> so in case you guys have not seen Chrissy before, she is a strong, black, fierce female, and today she's going to be talking about that with our guest, Q Nellum. Yes. Hey. Right. Hey, Q. Hey, hey there. We're so excited to have you on. Um, you know, we're recording this on June 12th, 2020. Um, I know it will probably air next week, but, um, and things will change inevitably. Some other things will change in uh, the landscape of our world. <laughs> right. <laughs> the way 2020 is looking um, right now, it, uh, the, topic on all of our minds um is racism mm -hmm. okay. um q i i want to talk to you about um sort of who you are you you live in chicago is that right i actually i live in denver so oh. i was yeah um, traveling a lot back and forth to chicago with my uh previous job but yes i'm i'm in denver actually okay oh fantastic um and you have a, a company called um, is it my Q Inc or? Lee? Yep, it's Q Inc. Yep, absolutely. Okay. okay, and what do you guys do? So um, our company is right now we're at a soft launch where we're just beginning and working on um, social media presence. But what our intended goal is is to really work with different companies, institutions, and organizations to work on 
diversity, equity, and inclusion. So from the top down, from all the way from executive to um, whoever the employees are that are doing the work on the ground and to help companies really design systems and programs and platforms that will be beneficial to being a very inclusive and future successful uh, company based on um, being within those diversity, equity, inclusion guidelines around our country. Oh man, that is, I, I'm, I've got to lean forward here because that's such <laughs> stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a um, multifamily apartment professional by day and, um, mm -hmm. you know, we are an industry that is incredibly diverse in its workforce and, um, and completely opposite in, you know, ownership and leadership at the very top levels you know the mm -hmm. all the c-suite executives are yes are, are caucasian right um are right. White. and uh and then they're all powered by this workforce that's black and brown and um yes lesbian and gay and it's really interesting um is that kind of what made you want to get started in this kind of field that you're in Yes, absolutely. I think um, I think for me, just because of my past experience with dealing with the one, the systemic uh, injustices within the different institutions I've worked for, as well as the systemic racism, especially when you're talking about the black culture and most especially black women, um, that has been something that has really put a fire in my soul to um, create the change for for our future generations of black and brown leaders that are that are coming up underneath us. Because as they see those of us who are our leaders they look up to, and we're still dealing with the issues of the systemic racism and we're still taking it and not um, creating platforms to change it, then um, that's gonna be their future. And I just refuse to pave a future that's gonna be a longstanding system of um, non-equal rights. <laughs> Right. That's probably the best way I could say that. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was eloquent, I think. Um, what is, I'm so sorry. You know, we're doing Zoom, I want to tell everybody. So if you hear background noise occasionally, if there's just not a <laughs> yeah. darn thing we can do about it most day, most of the time. Right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> My son is upstairs showering and our pipes are terrible. So, um, <laughs> so okay, um, what, what? What got you, what gets you so fired up about racism? How did you, how have you experienced it? And yeah, um, gosh, there's a, so much I can say about that. And, um, but I'll start with, as a child, um, I personally have experienced racism all of my life. It's interesting because for someone who's light skinned in the black community, a lot of times the assumption is, is that we don't deal with it. And that if you're light-skinned, you get more privilege, you get more props, you get more acceptance, but that's actually not always the case. And I think part of that is because I've been a very outspoken, bold, loud Black woman whom, um, who tends to speak her mind. And mistakenly, sometimes, yes, I have spoken my mind and probably should have reworded some of the things I have said. But um, because I have dealt with it all my life from being... Uh, you know, called everything from every name in the book you can think of. Um, it has spurred something in me for all of my life to continue to change and talk about it. And then as I got older and started working for different companies and institutions, I, I just 
I would always take time to look around and see like from, like you said, from C-suite, from the executives all the way down, you never see um, enough black or brown leaders at the top. And it has been that way for centuries, like forever. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I started dealing with then what um, we all love to say today is systemic racism and injustice, which really means for a lot of us that we are just as qualified for the black, black leaders in, around, around the country. We're just as qualified. We have the same credentials or even the same life experience if you're not looking for people with the actual credentials on paper. And yet we're always the last ones, and I will especially say black, for black people, we're always the last ones to be given that role, that leg up, that position, that title. Um, and it's been really difficult to continue to see that. And I think because I've dealt with such extreme racism before and my own son has been profiled here in, in Denver when he's literally walking home, um, we, I have just been infuriated by the fact that um, we're still dealing with this. Like we should not have to keep dealing with this. And so, um, you know, the movement is, is here and I am a big supporter of um, making sure that change happens, real change that can create something sustainable for the future when it comes to equal rights. Yeah, I mean, preach. All the, everything that you just said is my experience as well. I also have a black son, you know, I'm biracial. So before mm -hmm. we got started today, Summer and I were just kind of talking about what we're gonna talk about, you know? And, mm -hmm. uh, and I said, you know, I've followed Q on social media now for a couple of weeks. Um, and she's light-skinned also, you know, mm -hmm. biracial. Um, and I know that because of that, I've experienced forms of privilege myself, which mm -hmm. can, um, it's, it's hurtful, I think, you know, yeah. to, it's hurtful to know that I, that I don't have the full scope of mm -hmm. uh, racism, but yet I do have a very deep understanding. I've experienced it quite a bit I'm the I'm a the first black family member um in my family my mom was raped um mm. that's how she uh conceived me she's a white woman who was raped at a party by a black man at knife point um mm -hmm. and she hoped and thought that I was um the product of her white boyfriend and you know, she didn't tell anyone that she was raped until after I was born. And wow. um, yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm this woman who was raised in a completely white family until I had mm -hmm. biracial cousins when I was in my teens, you know, who were born in my teens. And so my experience with racism has been very, like, very intimate in the way that I grew up around people saying things like, um, but you're not that kind of black, you know, yeah. uh, or you're not actually the N word, you know, because they, there's a difference between people like you and the N word. And so my understanding of my blackness was that it is the thing to be most ashamed of, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've really lived the first, at least the first 30 years of my life looking for ways to overcome my blackness, you know, and now mm -hmm. I have this, I've done a lot of hard work and, um, and 
I have a very, very deep understanding of how important it is to embrace every part of oneself, you know? Um, I, don't, I don't think that we can really live into our full potential until we embrace everything that God made us to be, you know? Right. I even think for people like my son, like, you know, that, that hatred of myself has probably transferred over to him in a lot of ways because I had this black child, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, all of that to say, I know you don't know a lot about me, but um, want to hear, you know, another light skinned black woman say, you know, but I do know, I do know what it's like to experience racism and, you know, and it does fire me up is um, I just, I feel really supported by that statement, you know? And I was really curious if you were gonna be open to talk about that, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm absolutely open. I, I'd say this, um, one, you and I have probably the exact same story. My birth mother too was raped and I was raised by a white family. So believe it or not, a lot of people won't believe that talking to me today, but and um, and I love my family. It's just I dealt with racism inside my family and outside of it. So that yeah. was another fuel that added to my fire. And literally, there was a point where my mom had told me, you know, why can't you just be be white? You know, why don't you just act more white? Oh my God, me and too. I, ah. And I had told her, and I was really young, like a teenager. I was like. Every day I wake up, I will never be white. And so what ended up happening for me is I, um, even though, you know, you love your family and and, um, you're raised by another culture, unfortunately, the issues that I think that a lot lot of people don't realize is that when someone is adopting a black child, you have to be super intentional. Or if you're having a black child, if you're biracial, right, you have a like child, you have to be intentional about teaching them both cultures. You cannot raise them just in one umbrella, under one umbrella. And so, so I was seeking out my, my blackness and I, I started at a young age. So I, um, I ended up, I hit the streets and I ended up on my own around 16, 17 years old. Um, Oh yeah. And, um, because it was just chaos in my house. I could not get along with my mom. And so not only were we very different culturally, but we were very different in beliefs and my beliefs are, are very strong beliefs. And so I ended up, you know, hanging out and pretty much seeking out other of my black friends, my black fam, my black friends, families to, um, to really just take me in. And they did. And one thing about black culture is it tends to be that black culture seems to be the most inviting culture the most accepting people may not believe that today but a lot of times it is Mm -hmm. so when I identify when people ask um um what I'm mixed with I am mixed black and Hawaiian and um but I have been raised and have learned and have been culturally black and so I um I gravitated towards that side of myself because um, that has been the plight of people. And because I was growing up, I was called a nigger and everything else you can think of. 
mm-hmm. in the book or half breed or you know you know what I'm saying you probably have heard Uncle Tom I got Uncle yeah. Tom a lot all that and you so know, and the black kids would all that because my family didn't know how to do my oh, hair. yeah you know they have the the jokes from all the movies but the difference is that I think when people start talking to me then they realize oh my gosh like you're really black you know because even a lot of people would think oh she's harmless she's nothing it's not that I'm trying to be fearful but they would already assume by looking at me because I'm light-skinned and I do carry myself well and I'm very proud of that and um that that I'm not, I'm not going to have any voice or I'm not going to say anything. Almost like you're the house Negro compared to the field Negro. You know what I'm right. saying? And, um, and I have spoken to that. I, I work with a lot of students. I've been an educator for years, um, writing curriculum, everything. And I have always been talking about world issues and um, the racism and everything in our country for years. And we're not the only ones. It's really interesting to know that that's kind of the assumption and um even in black circles you know you'll you'll realize that oh you're not dark enough so you're not going to be the one to get asked to be on the black panel you know right because you're more of the light-skinned one and i'm okay with that because i don't have to be validated i know who i am i know my experience and the one thing that people cannot take away from us especially in black culture are our stories Mm-hmm. and um, our experience. That's what's key to what's happening today with the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, I think that the value of our stories is what is collectively coming out on the forefront, whether they're good, bad, or ugly. And I've dealt with the worst of it because I was on streets. I ended up in gangs, a very prominent Black gang, and um, I had a real rough life. So um, that was another reason. So pretty much my whole life, has shaped and formed why I'm doing what I'm doing today, why I created Q Inc., why I've decided to, and always have been, I've always been speaking out against um, the uh, isms of black, blackness in, in white culture, and especially in a city like Denver. Denver is very predominantly white, white run, white ran, and uh, white privilege. And um, it has, it's interesting because I go to cities like Chicago and other places and I feel like I'm more at home but yet I'm, I'm called to be in this city and fight these battles here. Hello, I'm Ann Harder. Central Texas Living has found a new home on the Rogue Media Network in a podcast. Join me each week as I talk to a new guest from our community that you may know or have always wanted to. We'll talk about exciting events, progress, changes in our little part of the world, and much more. And if you've got people you'd love to hear from on the podcast, just drop me a line at ann at roguemedianetwork.com. The show you've loved over the years on television is now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe today and we'll see you next time on Central Texas Living. I'm Josie. And we're we're your your judges. judges. And this is by the cover. No, wait. Do you want us to? Oh, Okay, we'll try it again. Hi, I'm Becca. And I'm Josie. And And we're we're your your judges judges on By the Cover, a new podcast. Yeah, we're a talk show. God, we're a Josie. Yeah, we're a comedy talk show centered around Amazon book review culture. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, 
wherever podcasts are. All the We're places. There. You can't hide from us. Anyway, listen to our show. We're going to be funny. We're going to be talking about books, and it's going to be great. Yay! Promo over. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. With Kizik Can's free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. What what turned it around for you? You it sounds like you were on your own young and then you got into gangs, you said. So at what point did your life take a different course? Um, yeah, I saw too many of my black friends dying. I mean, at the hands of police brutality, um, being shot. I I I saw too much and I I had two choices at, at the road was either I'm either going to die or, um, or I'm going to go to prison. It was one of the, it literally, my life was at that option. That was going to be my option. Mm -hmm. And instead of either, I was given an opportunity to leave the city I was in at the time that was over on the West coast. And I was given an opportunity to leave, to go to college and, um, and I ended up going to college. I never had a desire to go to college. I hate to say that to people today because now I'm really big on education. But um, at the time, I didn't. But I ended up getting an opportunity to go to college or to get out. Otherwise, somebody was going to turn me in, to turn myself in, my, my friends. We were involved in a lot of crazy stuff, you know. But when you're seeing so much death in the black community and you're seeing so much brutality and you're seeing so much racism and you're experiencing it regardless um it's it's like how do you get out of these stories how do you how do you decide to get away and my choice to go to college actually helped me get out of that cycle of gangs and that life mm -hmm. but going to college and then experiencing the corporate world or the working world it was once again you're back into the issues of racism only this time it's within the systems or this time it's this you time know, it's, it's, it's polite this time yes. it's justified, you know that's right this, this time it's got it's wearing a suit and tie you know that's right yeah that's right I, and I've, and very happily they'll use 
black and brown people to elevate their status or to make the money or to produce the product but but we don't we lose credit our ideas get taken and packaged by somebody else and we we do all the work we're the ones working the extra hours um you know even today with the protests and everything you know a lot of the people who are paid to clean up the city are black and brown and a lot of them are youth that are out there paid to clean up these cities right and so but people don't see that you know we don't want to see what's right in front of us so you're right it's all masked in a suit and tie or in in a title Mm -hmm. most most definitely sometimes i've i've experienced that i have been given titles without the pay or um i've been given a lot of responsibility and you know in my professional environments but i haven't been given the pay to support it even currently i work for a company that i'm more proud of in their diversity today i will say that um they really are striving for diversity even in the c-suites you can see it um right that's not that's not really prevalent in the industry i work in however even today i was suddenly given the responsibility to supervise someone who makes more money than me you know you know, I was given the, the admin rights to her payroll so I could manage it. It wasn't, you know, something that I went out trying to seek the information, but um, it's a tough spot to be in, you know? Um, yes. Particularly when 37% of our, of black youth today is, um, is on unemployment. That's a huge number, yes. you know? Yep. So black people are disproportionately unemployed as a result of COVID-19, you know? And so yes. am I going to publicize this to my employer right now? Absolutely not. I need the gig, you know? Right. It's a, it's a decent paying gig when other people are unemployed. But it's, it's, it's tough to not take a stand, you know, and say, why is this happening? You know? Absolutely. Um, and I'm someone with, you know, I've got some stability financially, you know, um, take away that stability and tenure and you're someone who's on an hourly hourly salary and you're in this kind of position you know yes um and you really just you have no voice whatsoever you know that's right yep and people don't understand that concept because you might be managing now someone who's paid higher than you and and like you said you need the gig like you you need to keep the income coming in and that is those are some of the issues in fact i'll be on another uh, zoom tomorrow talking about systemic racism because what what people see is that oh it's not a big deal you know she's good but um they don't realize that that lack of pay um, is translated into a lack of respect and then a lack of being seen and um for us as uh black people today it's it's like you have to work twice as hard. It is so true. I know everybody's been seeing it on social media. A lot of what people are seeing on social media is truth. Many of us have lived it, dealt with it, and still do. We have to work twice as hard, and then don't be a black woman on top of that. Mm-hmm. You've got to work three times as hard to actually gain any sort of recognition, any sort of, of thanks or praise. And it's not that we should always be looking for that, but guess what? That goes a long way when you're managing a company, you know, yeah. the, of recognizing your employees, valuing them by raises and, and titles. But a lot of times for black people, we get the title, not the pay and not the authority. Yeah. And it's like they say, let's um, it's almost like we we see it as 
let's get pa let's pacify them for a, for a second. Let me go ahead and give them this title, but you know, I can't pay you. And yet you hire the next white executive coming in who's getting paid six digits. Mm -hmm. And you were just told that we don't have it in the budget. Right. Or and I'll companies tell you are what. laying them off. They're laying us off, laying us off or firing us. Who are you laying off? You're laying off the black and brown folk. Oh, you know, sure. or you're firing the black and brown folk right now. You know, and COVID's your biggest reason why. I get it. Mm -hmm. But was there someone else you could have laid off that maybe that white person counterpart didn't do such a good job? And but you still chose to lay off the black person, you know, or fire the black person. So yeah. <laughs> I just want to say also that I've noticed this may be a, a tenuous sort of conversation to have, but um, we do have, like I said, a, a lot of minorities um, in, you know, like lower level management positions in the business that I, that I work in. That said, there is a very stiff and almost uh, mean spirited competition oftentimes between black women. Um, yes. And it, it makes me insane, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I, I want so badly for us to all come together. And um, do you have any ideas or insight around that to, to, to give us as this diversity professional that you are? Yeah, um, you know, that's, it is a hard one. And some of the things that I have done was I've gone out of my way to build a relationship with the fellow uh, black women that I have worked with in the past. And what has been really beneficial is that I have found out they have felt exactly the same, only they just are not going to be as strong of a voice. You know, they're not going to be able to say, or they choose not to say anything because they are in fear of losing their job or being treated a certain way or being talked about. And um, I think it's really important, especially for women, for black women, when you're working and there's very few of you to be um, in relationship with one another to build those up. It can be very competitive, but when you diffuse it by going out of your way to either having coffee together at first or whatever you're doing to make a relationship happen, that is where people start to realize, oh, okay, she is not trying to vie for this. Even if you are, it's healthy competition versus com um, not healthy. And, and that's the issue we deal with. Like we should be great and and okay with, wow, she got it. That's incredible. I'm happy for her. But you're right. We, we aren't. And, um, and I know this is true just with women in general, whether you're white, black, brown, or whatever, this is a very true thing that happens with all of us. Mm -hmm. But I would say it's what has worked. And one of the things that I tell people is good to do in your companies is start to build a, a relationship with your counterparts with those fellow black women start to talk to them get to know them because you may realize that their story there's a reason why they're acting the way they are mm -hmm. um and you don't want to go ahead and judge which is a lot of the assumption we get judged already like i said by mm -hmm. what they see on our skin that's just hands down i don't care nobody says you only see what people look like first you cannot tell me oh i all i saw was your good heart no you didn't because yes. you don't know me you know yeah. you Woo! see me yeah and um <laughs> don't tell me you don't and yeah. that's what you're going to see first. So based on what they see, dark, brown, light, bright, whatever you want to call it, and white, they're going to judge you already. And, and right. I know I've done it. When I see white people, I think they automatically have privilege or mm -hmm. they have, they must come from some kind of a, a 
great reputation. That was some of my thinking before until I started to get to know more of my white friends and started to reach out to them. So, yes. That's pretty, that's pretty big of you to say. I'm, I want to applaud you for, you know, for saying that. Because I, I think one of my opinions that's been pretty loud during the last few weeks is that I think that if we can somehow reduce or eliminate the shame that comes from having racism and prejudice, um, that more people will be open to admitting that they have it. You know, there's... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, reading White Fragility right now, and um, there just seems to be so much hesitance to ever admit any kind of racism that, you know, the people who um, most need to talk about it are the ones who can't admit that they've ever even had the thought, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's really big and bold of you to to admit having it, Um, because it's a tough thing to even to even admit, and although it's probably easier for us to say that than it is for a white person, you know? I mean, I don't know if some of you would be able to answer that better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with everything y'all are saying, and it's, you know, I've I've struggled with this in the same way, so not in the same way. I'm sorry. No, yeah, no. (laughs) No, you're fine, so. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Is I feel like, you know, when we talked about whether or not I was going to be part of this discussion, I was like, I, I can't say anything, you know, mm-hmm. but you can, yeah, I can. Right. That's and right. About this. You and I have talked about this is that I feel like as an ally, I can open the doors that I can open um, and say, come through the door. Um, but that, that my voice doesn't matter as much. You know, we've mm-hmm. talked about this, mm-hmm. you know, um, it has been a hard yeah. It's been a very hard place. Where do I find? Mm-hmm. Where do I find my place in all of this? Yeah, that's right. That's why I'm sitting quietly today. <laughs> I'm not a person <laughs> quietly. <laughs> hey, what <laughs> <Right. laughs> now? Right. So yeah. I would say one thing, especially summer. Like I appreciate it. They just uh, a lot of uh, white and black women social media influencers just had a day where it's called Share the Mic Now. Where these very popular uh, white uh, women social media influencers had given over their platforms for a day to these very popular black women social media influencers. And they're going to be doing more of this. Um, And uh, there are, it was incredible to see because even in the midst of everything happening, you see um, white counterparts starting to realize that they do have the platform, even in social media, which to me, I'm really big on social media. I believe in social media and the influence of it and, and the progression of it and, and everything. And these women did this and many of the black women that I follow that are social media influencers were on some white social media influencer uh, pages that I had never even seen. And it was a huge day. In fact, this was like yesterday, I think, share the mic now, but it is incredible to see that because now you're seeing people, we're at a stage now where, um, one, I will say this, for black leaders, and I, I have a, a black leaders listening call that I have put together because we need a space to process. We really do. And, and to be real, a lot of the conversations we have will sound not so cool to white people. And so there's a space that I've opened up for black leaders to come and just listen and hear each other's hearts and where we're at with everything. But at the same time, we also need to open up space to, to have 
conversations with our white and brown counterparts whom are trying to be allies that are really wanting to work together. That's obviously the next stage that we know we all have to go to. The yeah. blow up that happened just created a fire. And it's almost like, in my personal opinion, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's deaths became the cherries on top of the Sundays that have always been melting. Mm-hmm. And um, we finally just like, that's just it. And um, I think that that just started getting the information spread even further. And so, um, so Summer, for you, one, I considered you a friend. I love your story. And um, in, uh, it's good to hear you say you're not sure what to do or what to say. It is hard. It's a hard space, I know, for a lot of my white friends. And I think that as more of us who are Black leaders come together and come together with our white friends, it's, it'll become a space where we can actually have that safe space, start talking about what can we all do together now. Um, and eventually, that's where we're going. And that's going to be the, the place. So, uh, yeah, so I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I've, something that you said that I just want to touch base on is that right now, I feel like this is y'all's time. This is a time yeah. that it yes. is best for me to step back and say, get, give let y'all have your voice because it's being heard right now. And so for, yes. for me as a white privileged woman to step in and say, well, I want to let me help. You know, it's mm-hmm. not time. There will come a time. And I do believe that there will be a time when my voice just amplifies yours. But right now, mm-hmm. it's, it would just be repressing it. Yeah. The same mm-hmm. yep. stuff we've always been doing. You know? Yes. And yep. so Absolutely. I, I have felt like my role right now is to step back and go and say, it's your turn. Mm-hmm. You step mm-hmm. to the mic, which is not easy for me to do. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. I, I'm, a, I'm somebody who has opinions, mm-hmm. lots mm-hmm. of things. <laughs> and ideas and right so the great thing for me to do and the hard thing for me to do right now is to keep my mouth shut mm-hmm. it's also hard for my dog yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about that let's talk about the dog barking in the back i am so sorry to everyone <laughs> uh, okay so we got about two minutes left um I want to ask you uh, one, like, what is the number one thing that you would like people to know about you or your platform? And then also, where can people find you on social media and online? Absolutely. Um, I I would say just to know about me and my platform is that I am here to really um, be a voice in um, raising up one black leaders, but also raising up a future of what diversity, equity, inclusion looks like. And I'm really big on working on that. As far as reaching me, my webpage is uh, www.myqinc.com. My personal Instagram handles are at Q-A-N-T-H. And then my uh, business ones are at the Q Inc team. And um, I really encourage everybody to follow and support on our webpage. We're building up what we call the community. I'm trying to build a resource of people that want to be able to share resources, connections, and networks together um, through Q Inc. so that we can um, start learning from one another better. And um, it's free. There's no no obligation. And um, yeah, but I would just suggest come support, follow, be a part of, and um, you know, be prepared. I'm bold on my social media. And, um, <clears throat> and I don't apologize for that. You know, right. I am really speaking from my heart and my experience and what I believe is true and right. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Amen. And I've noticed that in that process, people who 
were okay with me when I was quiet. Our, yes. You know, that's we a whole, have we, talked a lot we about this. We could go for another like, 30 minutes on like this. Church. Oh, yeah. We won't say anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We won't say anything oh, about church. We won't oh, say anything about church. Oh, oh yeah. Pastor, it's like, you know, yeah, I'm not the token that I, you know, right. you that's right. shut up and get back in the place where you're supposed to be. Yeah. That's right. You that's right. Because you're black and you show up here and you don't have anything to say. Yes. You know? Yep. That's right. <laughs> I could go on for that. This has been a really, really great conversation. And we will tag on our social media. We now um, have an Instagram page. Um, So we will tag you on our Instagram page. We are also on Facebook. So if you're listening today, please make sure that you follow Tragedy Plus Time. Everything's fine. Um, We are a Rogue Media Network production. And so follow them as well. They've got a lot of really great um, podcast on that network as well. Q, I love you so much. Thank you so much, y'all. Love you guys. Appreciate yeah. this. So yeah. glad to hear more about your story too. What an amazing thing to hear. And thank um, you. I just love you guys both so much. Love you, Chrissy. Love you too. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks you guys. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Guys, thanks again for listening. You are amazing. This show is nothing without your support. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please hit the subscribe button and show us some love. My name is Summer Shine. You can find me on all the social meds or check out my website at summershinespeaks.com to hear more about what's going on in my world. A huge shout out to Rogue Media Network for all their time, love, and support. Wouldn't even be a thing without these guys. Make sure you check out their other shows and tune in again next week. A special thanks to Fish Hands for our theme music. If you like what you heard, please hop on over to Bandcamp and check out more from them. Remember, your story isn't over yet. You're still here for a reason. This tragedy is just one of the spaces in your life, and there is life on the other side. You'll make it out alive. You know how I know? I did. Peace out. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.